Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. You're listening to the Raptors Rapture Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Rapture Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Hunter Surplus. Thank you so much for listening. With me on the other line, once again, site expert of RaptorsRapture.com, Mike Bassetti. Mike, my man, how's it going? Getting festive yet or what? Yeah, um, heading up to celebrate with Christmas with the family today, so... A lot of traveling. Uh, I think I'm probably not the only one in that boat. So, yeah, fun times. Absolutely, man. So the Raptors right now are kind of getting the opposite of the, you know, kind of the Christmas spirit and and the gifts and and the good luck and good charm and all that kind of stuff. We'll talk about the injuries in just a second. I'll break down what's going on with them right now. They're 20 and 8 with their record, which puts them fourth in the East, which is four and a half games back of the first place Milwaukee Bucks. After a tough couple weeks there, they finally got four straight wins. Again, they're back on a winning streak. They've got the 11th best offense and the fourth best defense per basketball reference. So like I said, the Raptors have had a little bit of bad luck with injuries thus far, and it is only getting worse. Marcus All is going to miss a quote-unquote number of weeks with a strained left hamstring. Norm Powell is out indefinitely with a shoulder subluxation. And Pascal Siakam is out with a sore groin. And we kind of thought that if the team was injured, as long as Siakam doesn't go down, this team is going to be fine, or at least will be able to hold their own for as long as the injuries continue. How many games do you think Siakam can miss and the Raps still being in that top five mix in the Eastern Conference? Right. So, you know, you put it perfectly. I think if you lose Marcus Hall, it's okay. Serge Ibaka can step up for a period of time and play 34 solid minutes at center. And you just kind of piece together the other 12 minutes. And Mark's better than Serge, but it's not that big of a drop-off. Norman Powell has obviously been really good as of late prior to the injury. But he's someone that you can piece together his minutes. Pascal Siakam's the one where it really hurts. 
And I think it's going to be a real struggle for this team to stay afloat offensively without him. We've seen his usage really creep up to one of the highest numbers in the league. He ranks in the 96th percentile among all forwards in usage. He's been the real primary offensive weapon for this team and has been used not only to create his own shot, but to create shots for others, oftentimes getting doubled in the post and starting that swinging action. So how long can they go without him? I don't know. Uh, they did pretty well offensively against the Washington Wizards, but I'm pretty sure that you and I could score 100 versus Washington Wizards. So <laughs> it's going to be tough. You know, they have a really tough stretch here with uh, the Mavericks obviously missing Luka, but they have the Mavericks, Pacers, Celtics twice, then the Thunder uh, before things get easier. If they could escape going two and three in that stretch, I think that's a win for them. So how long can they hang in with those top teams? I'm not sure. I to me, if you go 500 with Siakam out, that's a win. Yeah, I agree. And and you mentioned that tough schedule. And like that is that's a tough. You know, those are tough teams to play um, without your best guy. And obviously, it's not fun to play without Siakam. It's not fun to play without Gasol. And in fact, it's it's going to be a little less enjoyable to watch this team. Obviously, without you know the top end talent there. But I think the Pacers and Celtics games especially are they're both teams that they play really hard and they're we've kind of said this about the Raptors in previous episodes where they're either going to beat up on dumb teams, young teams or teams who aren't at full strength. And I think the Pacers and Celtics both at relatively full strength themselves, obviously Oladipo isn't there for the Pacers, but he hasn't been there all season. And then Hayward not being there for the Celtics. But I still think that those are two teams that can very much beat up on a, not necessarily a young and dumb Raptors team, but a team that isn't necessarily fully healthy and at, at their full strength. So I think those games are going to be tough. And they did mention that Siakam's was, or at least seemed like the least serious. They haven't come out with a timeline really for any of these guys other than Gasol saying a number of weeks. But, you know, Siakam being gone for five to ten games is is going to really hurt the Raptors' chance. Not like... They're still in that discussion when it comes down to the end of the playoffs, but instead of them being a three, four, or five seed and maybe, you know, having a better matchup for them in the first round, they might end up dropping down to six, seven, and I don't think eight, but six and seven, and have a less than favorable matchup maybe against the the Celtics and the Sixers rather than maybe, you know, the Heat or um or the Pacers there, which I don't know. It, that That's going to hurt the most. And I think it's going to, once playoff time comes, you're going to really see like, damn, those those two weeks that we were, were dealing with, like injuries after injury after injury, and it's been more than two weeks, uh, that's kind of what's going to suck the most. Yeah. To me, there's always kind of a rule of thumb in the NBA, just with 82 games and the way players are kind of looked after now, and I say that in a good way you should always expect to have maybe one rotation piece missing. And if you're missing Powell, then that's kind of just par for the course. But when you lose the one guy you can't lose, it's really tough. And I think Pascal's that guy because even Kyle Lowry, you have Fred Van Vliet, who's not Kyle Lowry, but can approximate a lot of what he does. The Raptors don't have anyone on their team that approximates what Siakam does. And so do you think that the Raptors offense or defense is going to hurt the most? Because obviously like Gasol hasn't been an offensive killer lately, but his IQ there helps a lot with spacing and their passings a lot better when he's out there. But he also holds down the forward on defense. Same thing with Siakam. As we mentioned, he's 
averaging 25 points this game and, and his defense is there. And same with Norm Powell. He's been on a tear as of late. And then also on the defensive end, he's pretty good. So these three guys not being there, very you know two-way guys who can impact on both ends of the floor. But which one do you think hurts the most? I definitely think it's the offense because if you just look at the players replacing them, okay, Patrick McCall comes in for Powell for a lot of the time. Defensively, that's a wash. If anything, McCall might be a little bit better. Uh, Serge Ibaka, Marcus Gasol, to me, Gasol's probably a little bit better defensively, but he's much better offensively as far as moving the ball and spacing the floor. And I think that the biggest difference between him and Ibaka is on the offensive end. Mostly, this team doesn't have any shot creation when Siakam's not on the team. And if you look at kind of who can get you a bucket when you really need one at the end of shot clock, I don't know who you turn to. At the end of the half against the Wizards, the Raptors ran a Rondé Hollis-Jefferson isolation. And, you know... I'm not an X's and O's wizard kind of coach, but if you're going to run Rondé Hollis-Jefferson isolations, that feels like a win for the other team. So that was really rough to see. The Raptors don't have a ton of shot creation outside of Siakam. And again, that's why I've always said he's the one guy who's irreplaceable for them. And, you know, if they piece it together without him, that's when you really start to kind of hand it to this team because he, to me, was the one guy they couldn't lose, particularly on the offensive end. I, yeah, that's very well said. Um, who do you think, or who would you like to see step up the most in their new role? And, like, I, I think you could take out maybe Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka just because they already do have relatively big roles, and, I, and I'd Van Fleet into that. But, like, the, the Macaws, as you mentioned, the Hollis Jeffersons, like, is there some guy that you really want to maybe stand out and do something bigger than what we've seen so far? You know, I I think it's going to have to be a team effort. I don't really expect one person to break out during this role. Uh, if you look at McCall, maybe he can play a little bit better and start hitting some shots from the perimeter so he's actually guarded on offense. Uh, Ronda Hollis-Jefferson, I think, is about maxed out at what he can be. He's a garbage man, and he does what he does very well, but to me there's not a lot of growth there in his game that you can reasonably expect. Maybe Chris Boucher stepping up and just being a solid backup center. I've always looked at him as a power forward more than a center just due to his slight frame and his inability on to kind of clear the defensive glass. But if he wants to be a rotation quality player, maybe this is his chance to kind of show that he belongs in the NBA. And he's a sneaky, seven, uh, sneaky old 26, 27 years old. So it's really do or die for Boucher if he wants to make it in the league. So I guess maybe him would be my long-winded answer there. What do you think? Yeah, I, I would like to see OG Ananobi maybe step up and, and really kind of show the the growth that has happened. And, you know, we have mentioned it a bunch of times where we've said, you know, OG has looked really, really good this year. And there's been moments where he has looked almost like he's kind of making the steps that a Siaka made um, from, you know, year two to year three kind of thing. Obviously not as big, but the same type of things, getting better offensively, he's getting as a better shooter. Defensively, he's a little bit more aware. And I think, you know, maybe giving him a little bit of the more responsibility and seeing how good his offense has been, seeing if he can keep it up with a higher usage, the way that Siakam has, obviously the usage jump's going to be a little bit bigger, but the way that Siakam did it and, and maybe seeing... Uh, OG turn into a Siakam light or something like that would be would be very very cool and I think that is very possible because he kind of is the same archetype and and he works really hard so I, I would like to see that but like you said if any of these guys step up it's it's a win for us which I would really like to see 
Yeah, to your point about OG Ananobi, that's a great pick because we kind of look at OG, I think, in a different regard as far as people who closely follow the Raptors really perhaps overrate him to an extent, but they just look at him, and I'm included in this, with such high regard as his potential future of being an elite defensive option and just he's so efficient on the offensive end. But if you really want to be like one of those guys, then you need to start kind of increasing your volume offensively. So if he's able to step up and, you know, maybe his efficiency does take a hit, but if he can get that usage up to something a little bit higher and soak up uh, possessions here for the Raptors, I think that would be really huge for them. So, yeah, that was a great pick. Yeah, and, you know, OG, he didn't necessarily have the the greatest game last night, but he did have 18 points, and he shot the ball relatively well, 2 of 5 from 3, 6 of 11 from the floor. And, you know, that's he's not necessarily getting a huge uptick in his shots if you look at it in that sense but that's a you know what that's a solid performance and if you can continue something like that when you're not playing the Washington Wizards of the world I think that's a really good that's a really good sign for the Raptors and you know I I don't see why he can't do it but if he doesn't it you know it it does make the this a little bit harder for the Raptors and another thing is if he is kind of the guy to be able to 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 step up then it kind of helps in the sense that he kind of plays the same way as Siakam he has like the same skill set just like I said Siakam light he's not exactly as skilled or as good it doesn't necessarily work as hard but they can kind of keep their offense when they want to run plays through OG the same as they do for Siakam a little bit which would probably help out in terms of everyone knowing what to do and and keeping everything kind of cohesive with how the Raptors have been playing yeah, particularly with him at the four, the, the biggest problem that I think you'll see is maybe not scoring the basketball, but as a playmaker, OG just doesn't have the natural instincts that Siakam has. And, you know, he's he's taking growth, but that's one of those things that you can really grow as a player, but at some level, it's something where you either feel the game out or you don't. And Siakam feels the game at a really special level. I just don't think OG feels it like that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, so lastly, on the injury front, are there any changes that you would like to see be made to keep the team kind of fresh and, and hungry while these injuries are happening? Well, you know, Hunter, I hate to plug my own thing, but coming this Sunday, uh, probably will be out by the time a lot of people listen to this, I'll be writing about a possible disabled player exception that the Raptors can use. So uh, disabled player exception happens if you happen to have three players injured uh, who miss at least three games and you expect them to be out for a little bit of time. You can get a disabled player exception from the league where you're able to sign an additional member to your roster. Uh, the Raptors right now could use that, uh, particularly if they expect Siakam to miss a lot of time or even if they think C- uh, Stanley Johnson is going to miss a decent amount of time still with the injury he's kind of working through. So the Raptors could kind of go on the veteran free agent market and look at a couple guys and I'll uh, save the names, but there's a couple of veteran centers, uh, perhaps a couple wings that they could bring in. I think you bring them in and you know, if they play really well, I don't think you have to be married to Malcolm Miller at that final roster spot. And if you want to release him for a guy who's making an impact, that makes sense because Malcolm Miller to be honest, it's probably not going to happen. We've seen the Malcolm Miller show, and it just, you know, he's just a forgettable player. And I, I say that in kind of a, I don't mean to insult him because I think he's okay where he's at, but he's 
just someone that is dispensable if you need to. So I would like them to see them use this disabled player exception, bring someone in, and then if it works, great. You can kind of look to keep them long-term, and if not, then you can just cut bait and move on with your day. I absolutely love that idea. I love that idea. Um, so that's it for the injuries, and you know it's – it's sad to see the Raptors have to kind of face off with this, but if there is a team that can do it, I think the Raptors are that. And, and you know, Nick Nurse is going to find a way to keep these guys engaged and keep the team competitive against even, you know, the good teams that we're going to be playing over these next couple weeks here. So lastly for the news, the All-Star voting tips off in four days on Christmas. How many All-Stars do you think the Raptors are going to have? Is it just going to be Pascal Siakam? Because I I think he's pretty much a lock. He he might even he might even be a starter. Or do you think maybe a Van Fleet or a Kyle Lowry jumps in there with him? No, it's probably just Siakam. Uh, Lowry would have a really good chance if he didn't miss that time with the injury. And maybe now that Siakam's out and he's going to start putting up more counting numbers than he otherwise would, he has a shot. But just kind of giving it a quick glance to me it's probably Siakam is the only one uh with a chance of Lowry and I maybe Fred VanVleet but I don't think so uh to me that what makes this team so good is their depth you know three through nine rather than the guys at the top and the Raptors will probably feel a little disrespected only getting one all-star but it's probably fair you know considering the circumstances so maybe Kyle Lowry uh you know the over-under certainly would be at 1.5 but <laughs> Uh, my guess is one. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. And do you think like obviously the the injury now to Siakam kind of hurts his case for it a little bit, depending how long he's out. But do you think Siakam is going to get voted in as a starter, or do you think the fans are probably going to move him more as a as a reserve guy? Well, your front court options are going to be uh, Joel Embiid, Giannis, and that third member really is up for grabs. Now that Siakam's hurt, it's probably going to be. Harder to get him in. Jimmy Butler's having a great season. Uh, Bam Adebayo's having a great season. Uh, my guess is it's probably Jimmy now with the injury, but Siakam's right there. I think him, Bam, and Jimmy all have a reasonable case, and if you picked one or the other, it wouldn't you know, shock me, or I wouldn't be appalled by it, but it's first uh, Giannis and Embiid get the two front court spots, and that third spot to me is kind of a dogfight. Yeah, and I think... Um... You know, Siakam has been getting quite a bit of love from, you know, the national media in terms of the ESPNs, the the TNTs and like the Bill Simmons of the world, all, like all the podcasts and stuff. The big the, the, the people that cover basketball have been kind of putting Siakam on blast a little bit and have been have been talking about him quite a bit. So I think that will help his chances in terms of, you know, maybe if people aren't watching the games, but they're hearing, you know, the Bill Simmons of the world say, yeah, he's one of the top 10 players in the league. I think that probably does help him a little bit and you know what I'd love to see him as a starter I think he I think he deserves it but like you said there are so many guys who are playing really well on all these different really good teams so it'll be interesting to see what how that turns out so that'll be it for our new segment we'll be right back in just a second with our six numbers of the week So we are back with our six numbers of the week. This one's going to be a little bit shorter than usual just because we did go a little bit long on the news segment and all those injuries. 
So our first number here is the Raptors' points per game this week was back up to 122.3, which was the best in the league for the week. And we talked about this on the last couple episodes with the Raptors' offense struggling and and their shooting going down and and dipping. Are they getting back into the groove after a a tough couple weeks here, Mike? It's tough to say. Maybe, yes, but it helps to play the Wizards and the Cavaliers. So, you know... The Cavaliers couldn't stop anybody, and the Wizards are even worse than them defensively. So, yes and no. I don't think that the Wizards game was particularly great offense. I do think that it was really good uh, considering the circumstances and who was missing. So, yes and no. I, To me, this team is always going to beat up on those weaker teams, and we've talked about that at length. But against real primetime opponents, I'm not ready to say that the offense is any better than it was you know, two weeks ago. Yeah, and it it might not necessarily be a a quote-unquote groove, like I said, but, you know, it's definitely going to be a confidence booster. And like you said, this is kind of where they they thrive and where they do have their, even if they're not necessarily the best games to watch, they're still generally going to win those games, which is really important come come playoff time and and come the games where you do lose to the really good teams. And when you have injuries, you kind of can, you can see this team still, being in contention for a top five spot because they are beating up on these really bad teams. But I think more than anything, seeing the ball drop a little bit more than it has been in the past is, is a good sight to see. And it's, you know, not only for fans, but also for the the players on the team being like, you know what? Yeah, maybe I, I had been slumping a little bit there, but now that I I'm seeing the ball drop, I'm, I'm going to be more confident with my shooting. And that more than anything, I think is, is the, the, the good sign out of their 122.3 points per game this week yeah it's always good to see the ball go through the net you know anybody <laughs> who's played anybody who's played basketball knows it doesn't matter who the opponent is if you get a couple of shots to fall it always feels good so yeah. that's a great point and just hopefully they'll be able to carry that over against uh, you know more uh formidable opponents absolutely so another number this week that the raptors led the league in was their plus minus for their starters they're obviously you know their injury riddled starters now it, it it's a little bit different but they were 11.9 or plus 11.9 with their starters and they had a plus 2.7 uh for their bench which was in the bottom half of the league but you know how do you think that this is going to change with all the injuries that we talked about do you think that there's the starting numbers if we still have the core of lowry van fleet and ananobi out there is this still kind of going to be the same thing and, and the bench struggling a little bit more or do you think that it's going to even out a little bit yeah i think uh you know with all the injuries you have to rely on your starters even a little bit more than you did otherwise because you do have kyle and fred out there and those minutes together for them are so critical because you don't have a lot of guys who can create shots. And those are two guys who can run an offense and generate looks, you know, maybe not in the same way that Pascal Siakam did, but they still generate open looks, particularly when you get, you know, Fred and Kyle kind of playing that back and forth pick and roll game and uh, attacking closeouts. So yeah, to me with the starters out, you're going to have to be even, I mean, it sounds kind of weird, but with the potential starters missing the other starters that have now stepped up have to play better because you might not be able to win those bench lineups anymore because of the guys you're missing. So I think that they need to rely on the starters now more than ever. Yeah. And we've seen Nick nurse use the starters extensively in these games, you know, playing 35 minutes, 30 minutes a game kind of thing for just about every starter, except for, 
Marcus All for the most part. And I, that's not going to change. Um, they're Like you said, they're going to have to rely on these guys and they're going to need to play big minutes. And they're going to, a lot of the times, I think they're going to have to play, you know, bench with Kyle Lowry or bench with Fred Van Fleet, which they have been doing throughout the season and, and they have been staggering those two. But I think it's going to be even more so now. And, and having the bench unit play with at least one or two starters just because of how not, I don't want to say how weak the depth is right now, but like, how how hindered it it has become and and it it will definitely peak up that way and I think Nick Nurse knows enough about this team to say yeah we probably need to have at least one or two of those guys out there at the same time so I don't know if there's going to be any uh, any you know all bench units out there at once but you know if if the time comes for it then they might have to use it yeah. It- that's one of those things where now when Serge Ibaka is not at center, you just want to survive and play even during those minutes. You don't need to win those minutes. You just want to play even. And when you're only going with one of Van Vliet or Kyle, maybe just play even during that time. And then you win your minutes as a starter. And hopefully that's enough for you to win the game. It's always, it's always interesting to see these teams with their injuries and stuff. And like it, it sucks to, it sucks to see, but it almost is, it's almost more like intriguing to see like what they're going to do with it and how they're going to figure out the different lineups and you know, the, the X's and O's factors of it all is kind of, is kind of cool. And you can see what the guys who are playing are really made of, which I guess is, I guess is a good thing, but you obviously want your team to be fully healthy. That's, that's a no brainer. Another number fairly positive here, Serge Ibaka after having his relative struggles in the last couple of weeks is putting up 20.7 points per game on 60.5% from the field this week. Is he making up for Gasol being down? Like, do you think that this continue while Gasol, while Gasol is down? Well, it was really nice to see him finally get that mid range jumper back. And that's been a little bit of kind of a dragon's tail for him to chase all season, because that's obviously where a ton of his offensive value lies uh, in that pick and pop, just hitting that little elbow jumper. And he's ranked, in the top like 99 percentile at its position for a couple years or the top 95 percentile at, at mid-range jumpers for quite some time now so that opens up everything else for him because then he can use that to pump fake and really get into the lane and roll a little bit harder so if he can continue to shoot it like this yeah I, I really think that he can do approximate at least a lot of what Gasol does uh obviously he's never going to be the playmaker and you can't kind of run your offense through him but he can do he can give you 95% of Gasol, which for when a guy's injured, that's all you can ask for. So as long as that jumper's falling for him, I think that you're going to be pretty happy with the results you get. Do you think he needs to produce a little bit more to keep the team where they are? Or is this kind of what we should expect from him? No, this is about peak Abaki. He just, he is what he is. He's not someone that you can throw the ball to in the post or someone that is going to make plays for others. He's a pick and pop big who can reliably hit uh, the mid-range jumper when it's working and can kind of roll when the defense thinks that he's going to pop. So to me, this is about the peak of what you're going to get from him, and, you know, that's good enough. Yeah, and, you know, it would be nice to see 25, 26 a game from Serge, but chances of that happening are are slim to none. But his, you know, that's not necessarily where you see it. You see it more on the defensive end. He had a bunch of blocks last night, and that's, you know, that's what you, I think I'd rather see Serge put up four or five blocks a game rather than, you know, 27, 28 points or something like that. And that's kind of where uh, that's kind of where he's at right now, which is awesome. 
Um, yeah, there's there's only a few centers in the league who can give you 27. You know, if you get 18 points from him, that's above average starter play, which is yeah. all you can ask from a guy who's typically a backup. Absolutely. Second last number here, the Raptors. Obviously, we we've mentioned that they played the Wizards last night on on Saturday, uh, Friday night, sorry, and they're injured. We know that. We've talked about that at length here, but the guys who are normally their kind of core eight, core six, seven guys. Lowry, Serge, OG, and Fred Van Fleet, those are the healthy ones. And last night, they combined for 85 points, which is, that's awesome. That's a really good number. They had 122, so having 85 of them from just those four guys is kind of what you expected. Um, I don't know if we expected that heavy of a number, but do you think that that crew, those four guys, and you can obviously add in all the other guys who are playing, do you think they can make up for Siakam's offense against some of the non-Washington Wizard teams? See, that's the question. To me, they're going to be able to kind of beat up on these lesser teams. But when you really have a defense that's fundamentally sound and guys that know what they're doing on each possession, it's going to be a little bit harder. The Raptors really kind of picked on Isaiah Thomas with their game plan at the end of the fourth quarter against the Wizards. So I don't think that they're going to be as effective offensively. So what that's going to rely on is you just need to kind of play middle-of-the-road offense and hope that you can win games based on your defense. And Pascal Siakam's absence hurts, but it doesn't kill you defensively the way it does on offense. So they're going to have to – it's going to be a little bit more of a grind. It's going to be a more, a few more Kyle Lowry kind of tr- getting those bullcrap fouls that he's so good at. And I, I think it's going to be a struggle for them offensively without Siakam here. Yeah, I totally agree, and, You know, especially against these next few games when you got the Pacers who are – uh, a good defensive team and the Celtics who are also a really good defensive team. And you know, that, that those will be the real testing games, right? Like the Mavericks are kind of are here and there. They've got a really good offense. Their defense is middle of the pack, but once, once you're playing against the Celtics of the world and, and the Pacers, that's kind of where we're going to, where this answer is going to come from. Like we don't, obviously we don't know yet. And lastly, I think this topic is going to be the one that you enjoy. Mike <laughs> Patrick McCaw last night played 33 minutes and 50 seconds against the Washington Wizards. Is this who you wanted to see, or is this who you expected to see starting and playing the high minutes with all these injuries? I expected it just because of Nurse's affinity for McCall. (laughs) If we've learned anything over the years, he does love Patrick McCall. And, uh, you know, I continue to not see it particularly. I think he's overrated defensively. I think he's fine there, but not some game-changing player. But... I'll give him credit. He played well against Washington and he's a timely cutter. He's really good at kind of picking his spots of when to attack the basket. The problem is if you have someone besides Washington who knows what they're doing defensively, how long does it take them till they put their center on McCall and kind of just clog everything up in the lane? And he's just, I've talked about it so many times, so I don't want to sound kind of like a one note analyst here, but what he just kills on your offense, as far as the flow and the rhythm of, having those record scratch plays where he doesn't take the shot where you need him to. And there's always a guy in the lane who's sagging off him. Uh, I I think he kills you, but he was good against Washington. I tend to think that that's going to be a bigger problem against good defensive teams who know what they're doing and particularly well-coached defensive teams. I'm, I'm there with you. But, you know, like you said, he did have a good game last night against the Wizards. Do you think that he's kind of earned some extra minutes going down and, and, you know, down these next couple of games when they're playing the actual better teams in the league? 
Yeah, you know, I think he deserves some time, but at the same time, Terrence Davis, I thought, played just as well as he did and gives you a little bit more offensively in that he has to at least be guarded. And Terrence Davis is going to make a few more mistakes. That's just part of being a young guy. But I just don't see why Patrick McCall is doubling up Terrence Davis in minutes. To me, that seems like it's out of whack. But, you know, Nick Nurse is a smart guy, so obviously he sees something. And we'll continue to see. And maybe Patrick McCall continues to prove me wrong. He's been playing pretty well the past couple weeks. So, uh, you know, good for him. And I, I do think it's, you know, looking at his shot attempts, only four field goal attempts in the game. So it's not like he's he's coming in there and and trying to be the whole offense. Like Hollis Jefferson, who played 15 less minutes than him, had the same amount of shot attempts. Terrence Davis, you said, you know, doubled up on, on minutes and stuff. He, he only had four shot attempts. But, I you know, it's if he's doing what he's good at and the other team isn't necessarily – the best uh, defensively and isn't going to be able to figure that out as quick as some of these other teams, then, you know, it doesn't hurt them. But I would like to see maybe him, Hollis Jefferson and Terrence Davis kind of around the same amount of minutes, maybe up Hollis Jefferson and Davis and lower McCaw's minutes just a little bit, just because I do like those guys a little bit better in the, in the offensive system on defense. I like, I definitely like Hollis Jefferson better than Terrence Davis. Uh, you know, he doesn't give a whole lot more than McCaw on defense, but I do think that there's some substance to it. And, and offensively, I think he add, he gives a little bit more, like you said. And I think Hollis Jefferson, he does what he's good at. And, you know, that's all that you can really ask for. But like you said, I'll, I'll repeat it again. Nick Nurse is a smart guy, and he hopefully knows what he's doing with this lineup. And, you know, he sees something in McCaw that obviously you and I might not see. And, you know... If it works, it works, and all power to him, I guess. Yeah, so yeah, well said. <laughs> yeah, so that'll be it for our six numbers of the week. Uh, once again, I cheated a little bit on that, adding two in some of those. But that's it for this week, and then we will get into our predictions for next week and our games of the week. So we're back, and now we are going to talk about last week's games. Mike? Like we said on the podcast last week, not exactly the most enticing games on the schedule for this week, but which one did you enjoy the most? Uh, you know, I'd probably say the win against the Pistons. They're, they're the only one who's a real NBA team, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, and credit to the Wizards and, you know, six foot ten Steph Curry, Davis Bertans, who seems to be having a breakout season, and Bradley Beal, who's an absolute stud, but... The Pistons are a real NBA team, and the Raptors kind of coming out and playing against them, particularly after going 0-4 last year. It was nice to see them get that victory, and particularly to see Serge Ibaka play so well in that win. Yeah, so I'm I'm only going to disagree with you on that one because of the injuries that happened. That's why, you know, I'm just going to – I'm doing all personal emotional feelings right into this choice because that just – I have bad blood for that game just because that's where all the injuries happen. So I'm going to go with the Cavs just because they that's kind of where their offense got going again. And, you know, they did get that win against Brooklyn, but they did only look good in that first quarter like we talked about last weekend. This game against the Cavs, maybe they did have some struggling times. And, and yes, it's the Cleveland Cavaliers who, like you said, not really an NBA team. They still put up 133 points and that is what you want to see from the Toronto Raptors so I'm going to go with that game coming up this week 
We've got the Dallas Mavericks. They're at home. It's an afternoon game on Sunday, which is tomorrow. The Indiana Pacers, they're in Indiana on Monday. So that'll be the second night of a back-to-back. Wednesday, which is Christmas, they play the Boston Celtics at noon. And if you want to add in next Saturday's game, which we'll probably either have a podcast then or or Sunday, but you know we'll add that into it. So out of those four games, Mike, which one are you most looking forward to? Yeah, let's not overthink this. It's the Christmas Day game, right? You know, yeah, it's absolutely. a national stage. It's the Boston Celtics. That's one of their chief competitors for the two seed. And it, you know, you could get cued and say, well, the Mavericks is a really good game or the Pacers matters for seeding. But it's the Celtics Christmas Day game. It's the national stage. I think everybody kind of gets a little bit more geared up for those Christmas Day games. So that's the one I'm going to go with. The Chris- Raptors haven't played on Christmas in forever. So that's my choice. Yeah, I that's that's it. I think the only thing that would make this game better is if they had the Christmas Day jerseys again, but obviously that's not coming back. Um, but yeah, I think you know it's a it's a no brainer that it's a Christmas Day game. The big stage probably going to be with family. Probably going to be doing something. You're going to have to sneak away. It it makes it even a little more fun to be able to watch that game. Are you going to be able to catch that game, or are you kind of going to be caught up with family during that time? No, I'll, I'll be watching, uh, you know, I'll probably be around family, so I might not have uh, as close an eye as I have to, so I'll have to probably go back and watch on replay for post games and things like that. But I'll be watching it live and then, you know, probably catching a second look afterwards with uh, a little bit more careful uh, watching. Yeah, I think I'm. Uh, I think I'll, I'll be in the same boat as you there, Mike. Well, anyways, man, um, thank you so much for coming on this week. As always, um, Merry Christmas to you, and Merry Christmas to you guys, to all the listeners. If you guys don't celebrate celebrate Christmas, Happy Holidays, and enjoy whatever festivities you guys are getting yourselves into. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.